A reading from the book of Proverbs. When one finds a worthy wife, her value is far beyond pearls. Her husband, entrusting his heart to her, has an unfailing prize. She brings him good and not evil all the days of her life. She obtains wool and flax and works with loving hands. She puts her hands to the the distaff and her fingers ply the spindle. She reaches out her hands to the poor and extends her arms to the needy. Charm is deceptive and beauty fleeting. The woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her a reward for her labors and let her works praise her at the city gates. Verbum Domini. reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. Concerning times and seasons, brothers and sisters, you have no need for anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief at night. When people are saying, peace and security, 
then sudden disaster comes upon them, like labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, for that day to overtake you like a thief. For all of you are children of the light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as the rest do, but let us stay alert and sober. Verbum da mini. Dominus Fabescum. Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Mateum. Jesus told his disciples this parable. A man going on a journey called in his servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to a third one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Immediately the one who received five talents went and traded with them and made another five. Likewise, the one who received two made another two. But the man who received one went off and dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came back and settled accounts with them. 
The one who had received five talents came forward, bringing the additional five. He said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've made five more. His master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Since you are faithful in small matters, I will give you great responsibilities. Come, share your master's joy. Then the one who had received two talents also came forward and said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I have made two more. His master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Since you are faithful in small matters, I will give you great responsibilities. Come, share your master's joy. Then the one who had received the one talent came forward and said, Master, I knew you were a demanding person, harvesting where you did not plant and gathering where you did not scatter. So out of fear, I went off and buried your talent in the ground. Here it is back. His master said to him in reply, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I did not plant and gather where I did not scatter? Should you not then <coughs> have put my money in the bank so that I could have it back with interest on my return? Now then, take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will grow rich. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And throw this useless servant into the darkness outside, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Verbum Domini. Next Sunday is Christ the King. It ends the liturgical year, and then we begin the following weekend, the season of Advent, the beginning of the liturgical cycle. So we have these messages of the end times, the end of the world, of judgment. <clears throat> we have, <coughs> you know, the church calls us to assess and to reflect on this, that there is a coming day where we die, and we're judged. We go to purgatory, heaven, or hell. So today the reflection is on these talents that we've all been given, you know, each according to his ability. <clears throat> and this talent is a unit of measure, but it, they're not sure exactly how much it is because it depends on what you're measuring. Is it gold, silver, or copper? But most commentators believe it's about 15 to 20 years of labor. So it's like a lifetime of, of talent, <clears throat> of your working lifetime that we're entrusted with. So some are given five, some two, and one, <clears throat> and they are expected to do something with the talent they've been entrusted with. We're told that the master, who is of course the Lord, the master entrusted his possessions to them, to us, his possessions, these gifts that we have on a natural level and spiritual gifts. We have charisms that we're all endowed with due to our baptism that we can use to serve and build up the church, gifts 
uh, that come from the Spirit, charisms that are there to, to serve, that we are to use. You know, some might be preaching, administration, hospitality, maybe some even some gifts of service that we might have, some talent of creating things or whatever. So they don't know the full list. They look in the Old Testament and knew and see different examples of this, <clears throat> but craftsmanship or something. But we're, we all have those gifts. Some have a deep gift of prayer, intercessory prayer, that they are expected to use. So then the other aspect is it's the master's possessions that he gives, and then he, he went away, and then he comes back. Right? And that coming back is what we're concerned with here is that there's a coming day of judgment. What have we done? It's coming back after a long time. So the one that's been given five has five more. He's invested in and, and two, two more. But one, the guy that was just given one, he buries it due to fear. So the other gets praised as a good and faithful servant, that they've shown great responsibility, you know, come share in our master's joy. There's this reward, this merit that they receive. The one guy buried it. He could have at least invested it with bankers to have some interest, but we're told he buried it due to fear. I know that you're a demanding person, that you harvest where you did not plant, gathering where you did not scatter. But in my reflection on it, that's really, that's not true, because he does plant these things within us. He gives us grace. In fact, the opening prayer, we prayed for that grace to be devoted to the Lord, that it, to, you know, we need God's grace to even respond faithfully to him. So he's always sowing grace in our life. He's giving us people to help us, situations to speak to us in. He's always leading and guiding us. And at least we're told that you could have put it into the bank for interest, at least. And to me, that speaks of to try. God is the great multiplier effect. He takes our two mites, as the woman who put in the temple treasury. She gave all that she had, and it wasn't considered much in a worldly sense, but to try, at least. See what God does with it. I've experienced that so many times where you just sometimes just barely show up and drag the body, and God uses it. Sometimes our weakest, meager efforts, he likes to show off with that and maybe touch somebody's heart, or maybe you were there just at the right time, right place. You can have a, this impact on somebody else. We have the model given to us in the first reading about uh, the worthy wife, her value is far beyond pearls, that she has this great industry and devotion, devotion to the family, to her husband. That, you know, God can do a lot with that. We might have a lot of frailty. We might have a lot of baggage. We might have a lot of wounds from our own life, family of origin stuff. But if our heart is with the Lord, he's going to draw great things out of that weakness. And we see that she is industrious, looking for ways to serve, to do good, you know, to help the family. And Pope Francis said one time, 
that, you know, these bankers, who are these bankers that, that we are to give talents to, to draw interest from? And he said, the poor. And we can even broaden that just to the least, the humblest situation. We can serve in the humblest situation. Sometimes I talk to people, they get frustrated in their parishes, or they want to serve and do a particular thing, and it's not working out. They have this frustration. And I often say, well, go find a, a, a group that wants it. You can always find somebody that wants some kind of service. It might not be the place, and sometimes that's a motivation in us that we want recognition or pride, or we want to control or serve in a certain way. But you can always find some group, some of the least, just visiting a shut-in, just going to a nursing home, just being present to somebody that we can always serve somewhere. There's always some situation that will receive our help. That's getting interest. That's putting it in the bank, so to speak. So one of the warnings today is the one that buries it. We're told that he, you know, he gives a reason for fear. And fear is, you know, emotion that we can experience that we encounter evil, where courage gives us strength to overcome a difficult, achieve a difficult good, to overcome evil. But we can, in fear, shrink back, draw back from. And this, we're never called to have a fear of God, because God is goodness, but we do speak of a filial fear, a reverential fear that we have, are to have towards God. And this is a fear of being separated from him by sin, or a fear of offending God. And we can also have a fear of his punishment due to our sins. And that's not all bad. We don't want to fear God himself as if he's an evil, but we can certainly have a servile fear where we fear the punishment of sin. And maybe that's all we have to get us into confession. And that's a good thing because that's real. There is judgment. We're told that in the scriptures. That's a beginning. Now we want that servile fear to rise to a higher level of charity and true repentance out of love for God, fear of offending him. Um, but, it, you know, we shouldn't discount that. Sometimes that's just dismissed. You know, we read in the Baltimore Catechism, we need to confess serious sins, and the world can sometimes just chuckle at that. But that's real. That's a beginning that God works with that in a, in a powerful way in our life. And if we have this devotion, he can give us a deeper charity, a deeper love for him. As a priest, we'll meet people that stay away from confession for fear for years sometimes. And that's not what the Lord wants. He wants us to come and always repent. Or we could have a, a worldly fear. We fear losing things of this world, the great things of this world. And we see in the lives of the saints that they trample the great things of this world. That's sometimes the burden that we feel that, you know, we, we measure things maybe in a worldly sense. 
and look at our lives and say, well, by the standards of the world, this hasn't been much. Well, in the gospel, we're told about a mustard seed. It doesn't seem like much. It's meager in terms of the world. But it flowers into this and grows into this great bush. You know, that's the, that kingdom, that leaven in the dough, that God does something with, yes, our meager, weak, sometimes tainted efforts. Sometimes our motivation is self-interest. But he does something with that. He does something with there's a flowering in his kingdom. Again, the wife, the worthy wife of Proverbs, you know, we're told that the husband entrusts his heart to her. Isn't that a beautiful line? Her value is beyond pearls. Her husband entrusting his heart to her has an unfailing prize. That we are the bride. We are married to the bridegroom. You know, the church has this, this bridal stance towards our Lord, this called a union with him. Wow, if he can entrust his heart to us because we're devoted to him. It's an unfailing price. You know, it brings good, not evil. We have this devotion to God and he gives us the more. That's what he talks about in the gospel today. That more will be given to these ones that have a, a fruitful life. He gives us more of himself if we have some level of fidelity, if we keep trying, if we're industrious and keep working at it. Boy, that perseverance is, is such a key. They even say that in the natural world, you know, working out and diet and health and stuff. You know, to be constant. You don't have to go and have the best workout you possibly can have every time. Just be consistent. You're not always going to hit it out of the park. Sometimes we see our frailty and our service that we offer. Don't give up with it. Keep persevering with that. And God draws great good out of that. He brings good, not evil, out of our labors. May we be faithful as this woman of Proverbs is you know, in serving the Lord.